glad to be here with you today to, to pick up uh, where Pastor Jeremy has let, let off. Pastor Jeremy has been preaching from uh, Hebrews, and we've been going through this, and now he has actually passed the baton on to me. Okay, So I have a few of these sermons to be able to go through right now that I will take up uh, after him. So we, he, he's about halfway through chapter 11, and so I'm going to finish off. I don't know why I, I put myself through this. I am actually going to finish off the whole thing in this one sermon. Jeremy, what would you do? You, you took three sermons for the first part of, of, uh, of uh, chapter 11. I'm going to try to do it all in one go, okay? But anyways, chapter 11. Um, but before we get there, I have a question. Actually, I have a question about a question, okay? And that is this. What is the one question that you ask every day? What is the one question that you ask every day? Okay. Think a little bit about it. Now, it may not be an open question and it may not be verbalized in any ways, but it is part of who you are. You will ask this question. You will ask it several times a day. No, it is not. Why is she with him? Okay, just get this. So, no, it's not that. It is not the airspeed, what is the airspeed of an African s swallow carrying a coconut, okay? Uh, it is not, is there a doggy heaven, okay? I know those are not questions you ask, and it is not, it is definitely not, why did I marry him, okay? These are not questions that you ask every day, okay? There is one question that you, well, some of you are looking at your spouse, and, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, we, we do marriage counseling here, so just anytime you want to talk to me about it. Okay, the question I feel that we ask uh, every day, many times a day, is this. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Okay? During the pandemic, uh, you start binge-watching, okay? I was convinced I was not going to do this stuff, but you just can't help it. You start binge-watching. So on YouTube... BuzzFeed has this, this little short snippet of a show called Worth It, okay? And it is about these three guys. I love this. These three guys, they actually go travel all over the place, all over the world, and they try restaurants, different restaurants at three different price points, but they all serve the same type of food. And at that point in time, they decide whether it was the cheap place that was worth it or the medium place or the expensive place was the meal was worth it. Was, was the taco was $200 tacos, is it worth it, okay? Or a, or a, a $500 hamburger, is it worth it? Or would, is it better just to go to McDonald's, okay? Uh, along those lines, get a Happy Meal, uh, which is worth it. And so uh, I feel we ask this question uh, all the time about whether things are worth it or not. And we all decide on with various different criteria. Expense is one of those criteria that we, we decide whether something is worth it or not. Um, in L.A., there's this restaurant in J-Town which serves this magnificent sushi, okay? It is something that is beyond imagination, okay? You think about where the best sushi you've ever had, okay? So let's raise it another 10 notches, okay? I tell you, this place... Uh, my test sushi, okay, is is uh, mackerel, okay. So so, so um, it's saba. Uh, if if they if any restaurant can make that well, it's a great restaurant. But this was beyond all expectations. 
It wasn't fishy like mosabayas. It was tender and was succulent. Uh, it wasn't sort of vinegary uh, like some restaurants do it because of the fact that they're trying to cover up the fishy smell. No, it was just amazing. Okay, however, this was this place was two hundred dollars a person. Okay, for this for this, and indeed afterwards, my wife and I were going, looked at each other, and we go, "You're still hungry, aren't you?" <laughs> yeah, and so we ended up going to this place to get chili fries. But anyways. A uh, whole idea here, was it worth it? One time, okay, never again. Okay, we would never do that again. I'm, I'm not using my birthday money for something like that. Uh, expense, sometimes we evaluate, is it worth it because of time? There's a concept called comfort distance. You are, what, you, you are happy to travel a certain amount of distance or dif- travel a certain amount of time. After that time, you don't want to go anymore because it's not comfortable, okay? So it's what I found incredible is that as I've lived in different places in this world, that different locations have different comfort distances. We lived in L.A. for a while. And in L.A., when we talked about a comfort distance, 45 minutes of in your car is nothing, okay? Uh, we had people who came to church from an hour away, okay, to, uh, along those lines. Now, for Houston, what I've discovered is the comfort distance here, the time that you're willing to travel in your car to any place, it isn't 45 minutes. It's closer to the 20 minutes, okay? It's about 20 minutes there. I know this for a fact because of, uh, like, my boys, and when we decide that we're going out for, 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 uh, for dinner, my wife will always suggest some place in, Ch- in Houston, Chinatown, and it's 23 minutes away. You know, if no traffic, and they'll inevitably say, it's not worth it. I'm not going to go that. It's too far. Too far, mom. Okay? And so uh, we, we, we think about this comfort. Hey, hey actually, did you, uh, for all you, you know, we're, as a church, we have a satellite in Pearland, and also we're thinking about having a satellite in Richmond. Do you know why we have satellite churches? Because Coming here to Missouri City, it's too far, okay? It's just too far. It's beyond your comfort distance, okay? And it may be true for many people. Then another thing is expense, time, effort, effort. Um, I'm, an in, I'm an introvert, okay? I, you can ask, I have to go to a, a dinner party? Do I have to go to that dinner party? So many people, they won't miss me, right? And, and then, then my wife will say, well, Pastor Brian will be there. Okay, at that point, because oh, the boss is there. I, have, I just have to go, okay? So is it worth the effort? You have to, because there's relational costs that we count in when we talk about is it worth it too. Uh, do I enjoy taking out the garbage? No, nobody likes taking out the garbage. But do I enjoy my wife getting mad at me that the garbage is still in the house? Yeah, I, I'll, avoid every, I, I'll avoid that situation for everything. I will even take out the garbage, okay? Because it's worth it, okay? It's worth it not being yelled at. It's worth it not being in the doghouse, right? And so this is the question that you and I ask every day, and we ask it 
about our spiritual lives too. And perhaps some of you are asking this morning, is it worth it that I drove here uh, to, to church to come to worship as opposed to just staying home, watching everybody online, right? I'm looking at you right now, okay? So uh, this is one of the things we ask whether it's worth it. And I tell you, this is what the Christians in the book of Hebrews were, were, were asking in a different way. They were asking in a bigger way, actually, is it worth it? Is it worth following Jesus? They were being persecuted for their faith. They were being tested in their faith. People were shunning them, leaving them out. They were banned from going to the synagogue uh, because of their faith. And they're wondering, is this really worth it? And many decided that it was not. They left their faith. But the author, the author of the Hebrews tells them, this whole book of the Hebrews, really, you can name it, is it worth it? Okay, is it worth it following Jesus? Indeed, he says emphatically, it's worth it. And in the passage that we're going to be looking at today, chapter 11, verse 23 through 40, three things that you need to understand what he wants to get across is this, that faith is worth living for. This Christian faith is worth living for. But as if that is not enough, you need to understand this. It's not just worth living for. It is actually worth fighting for. Okay? And then on top of that, oh, as if that's not enough. You can live for this faith. You can fight for this faith. But it's even worth dying for this faith. This is a long passage. I'm not going to be able to read everything through. Uh, hopefully, you have already read through Hebrews yourself, but I'm going to just kind of highlight some of the things as we're going through and be able to kind of, kind of follow along this idea about a faith that is worth it. So as Pastor Jeremy has gone through the hall of faith, he starts all the way from the beginning of time, working, uh, working through salvation history. And last week, uh, Jeremy spent the time talking about the father of faith, Abraham. And so, but today, I'm, we're moving on, and the first person that we come across here is actually Moses. Moses. And here, when we look at Moses' life, we're going to see that it's a faith that's worth living for. And this faith that is worth living for needs has three considerations. Okay, uh, Pastor Jeremy talked about, uh, uh, in his sermons, he talked about three W's. Okay, and then last week he talked about three O's, okay? Uh, today I have three R's, okay? I, it just turned out that way. We don't really try this, okay? It just, don't try this at home. Uh, it just turns out this way. So the thing about it is to today is that in Moses' life, this life that we live for, uh, there, if, if this faith is worth living for, there's refusal and there's reproach and there's also reward. And so here in faith, there is a refusal. There are times when we need to give up things. Uh, in faith, we have to say no to those things that keep us away from God and away from God's plan. And for Moses, his refusal is of the riches of, of Egypt, the pleasures, the comfort that's there. And oftentimes, I want to tell people that, that faith is not just what you give. Okay, but it's really what you give up. And you think about the rich young ruler 
where he came up to Jesus and told Jesus all the great things that he's done, all the things that he, he's, he's able to master in his faith. And he just, Jesus says one thing, give up everything, all your riches and everything. Couldn't do it. But there are times in our faith, it's not what you give, but it's also what you give up. And how important it is here that we see that Moses gives up that pleasure, gives up the comfort. And, and, and right now, I hope for you, you're also thinking and considering for yourself in your life, what are some of those things that you gave up for, for Jesus? Was it worth it? Was it worth it? Carrying on, continuing on with Moses. This faith that's worth living for is not just a faith of refusal, but it's a faith of reproach. And here, what it tells us is this. He considered the reproach of Christ greater, uh, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. And what it's actually saying here is this. Uh, this faith of reproach is when you fear the reproach or you fear displeasing God more than displeasing others. When you fear God more than you fear displeasing others. Moses is going against Pharaoh. He is going against the most powerful man in the most powerful nation that the in the world at that time. But imagine how that is. Okay? Imagine how that is for if you and I had to go up to, I don't know, depends what your politics are and what, what nation you think is the most powerful now. Okay? I'll just say, you go against the king of Timbuktu. Okay? You fear, you're, it may be scary, it may be uh, 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 something that you wouldn't even think about doing. But here, Moses is going against the biggest nation, the most powerful man. Yet, it's a no-brainer for him. No-brainer for him. Because he just says, well, yeah, I'm going to tick off this guy. I'm going to tick off the Pharaoh. But I'd rather not tick off God. Because he's the one that's calling me to set his people free. He is the one that's calling us to the promised land, and we must go. We cannot deny him because we can't stand that reproach. And there are choices we make where we fear making our family, our friends unhappy or coworkers unhappy, but may not necessarily be the thing that pleases God the most. Was it worth it, Moses? And then in the end, the faith that was worth it, yes, it was, for he was looking to the reward, uh, the faith of reward. Because of the object of Moses' faith, remember last couple, couple of weeks, Pastor Jeremy is hammering in this concept of that ultimately faith is not how much you have or how strong our faith is, but is actually in the it's actually how, what is the object of our faith? How strong is that object of our faith? And it seems here that, the, and, and for us, the object of our faith is, is God, Yahweh God. And Moses has faith in this God who keeps his promises. And here it gives a little bit of story when it talks about Passover. And in Passover, uh, in, in, in the Exodus story, 
you, you, uh, you have God's people painting their doorway uh, with lamb's blood, okay? And, and if they paint their doorways with lamb's blood, everybody in that home will be protected, and they will say they will live. Yeah, Moses, but you and I, can you imagine being there at that time and Moses coming to you or, or sending his, his brother Aaron to tell you, hey, by the way, tonight I want you to take some lamb's blood. Where am I supposed to get lamb's blood? I'm supposed to kill a lamb? Why? I'm, we're, 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 having, we're having a vegetarian meal tonight. Not, we don't even plan to kill a lamb. Because, no. Really, you gotta, it's not for eating per se. It is actually, you need to take that blood and you need to paint your doorway with that blood. Wait a second here. What are you trying to say? It, it is unfathomable to imagine something like this, but yet this is what they did and this is how they, the people of God were saved. Uh, this God, this God who protects, protects his people, surely this is the God who's going to take them to the promised land. And the picture here of that, those, those, that lamb, uh, those lambs that were slain to protect the people, indeed is the picture that we have in our understanding of our own Lord himself, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says in, 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 in Romans, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? There, there's a sense here that Moses follows and understands what God has done. He, because he, God has shown and has kept his promise. And there's that reward that's ahead for every, each and every one. Now, this faith. This faith that Moses had illustrates for us a faith that's worth living. But this faith, this Christian faith, according to the writer of the Hebrews, is not just worth living, but it's a faith that is actually worth fighting for. And the first thing that we need to consider is this. Um, in, in this passage that we're looking at here, the writer uh, tells us about Two incidences, two miraculous events in salvation history. The exodus, that the people of God go against the most powerful military nation in the world at that time. And then later on, when they are actually able to escape the Egyptians, that they actually, as they enter into the promised land, they have to deal with the city of Jericho. A fortress, impenetrable fortress. And they were the ones who were standing in the ways of, of the land of milk and honey. And so in this going to this place and going and following God's plans, some of these things have to be fought. There are enemies that abound. And so here, uh, what we see, uh, and if we understand that this faith that we have is a faith worth fighting for because there are enemies to the faith ahead, we need to, first and foremost in our faith, is to have a faith in a God to do the impossible. These two things, the Exodus and Jericho, are impossible things. Okay, Now, for you and I, 
when we face impossible things, what do we normally do? Or in our heads, we think they're impossible. We give up, right? I have, Carolyn and I, at the beginning of the pandemic, we said, oh, we have some time on our hands. Why don't we do some jigsaw puzzles together as a family? Okay. So I bought this one puzzle. Okay. I don't know how many thousands of pieces there was. Okay. But in my head, I was like, hey, we've done puzzles before. We can do this. It's no problem, right? We're going to be able to get this. So one month ago, when we decided to clean our dining room table finally, that puzzle, still not done because we gave up. Okay? We just couldn't figure it out. All the pieces look the same. They're shaped the same. They're the same color, and we just could not do it, and we gave up. Okay? Our tendency as a people is not to fight, but when things get hard and things get tough, sometimes the people of God run away. But here, you and I need to recognize, and you and I need to take note of this. And this is what the, the, uh, the writer to the Hebrews is actually sharing. Them. Hey, why are you giving up on your faith? Why do you think it's not worth it? Do you not even know your own spiritual salvation history? Exodus. Look at what God did. Jericho. Walls came tumbling down. Faith is worth fighting for. Indeed, there are times in our faith, uh, it's not abstract, it is very real. You actually have to go against those earthly powers, go against authority even. Here, uh, Rahab is, uh, is highlighted uh, by the writer. Rahab, who's a prostitute, maybe on different le- prostitute in Jericho, and maybe on different levels, Rahab, we may actually think that Rahab may not have had the opportunity to ever know God in her life. Number one, back in the day, uh, she would never have come in the presence of God because she's just a woman. Only men came before God. Okay? Uh, another level is this. She's a sinner. Okay? Uh, how can a prostitute come before the holy God? And then, last thing is that she's not even... Jewish, okay? She's not an Israelite. So why would she be able to come before God? Well, surprise, surprise. Our God does the impossible. He does the things that, uh, uh, that show that he is the power and he's the authority. And no earthly power should keep you from that. And Rahab stakes her life, stakes her family on that promise that God would redeem her, would rescue her. Indeed so. We know, we hear the story, how she helped uh, the Israelite spies, Joshua and Caleb. But that's not the end of her story. What is incredible is we actually hear and uh, hear about her in the New Testament too. In in Matthew chapter one, uh, we read uh, in the genealogy of Dave uh, of David, genealogy of Jesus Himself. 
Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. David, the king, who ultimately leads to his son, his son many generations now of Jesus Christ himself. This is a faith that is shown here, a powerful faith, a faith where little decisions that we make at the moment has infinite repercussions through time. And Rahab shows us this. Is it a faith worth living for? I think so. And here, this faith worth fighting for, in verse 32 through 34, talks a bunch of names, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samson, Samuel, and the prophets. Now, these are all names of, of, of these Old Testament judges and prophets, and David himself, the, the, the king. And all these guys were there to establish the kingdom. But is established kingdom amongst enemies. Is established the kingdom in spite of all that was against them. And instead of just making an unsettling peace, they stood to protect and to preserve God's people. They protected they stood, they fought for this purpose. For us today, this is Sugarland. I re- realize this is, this is Sugarland, pretty comfortable place to live. I think that for you and I, most of the time where our, what's necessary in our faith is all we're really asking for you is to live out your faith. But you know, this past year, and this what things that are going to be coming up for, for us, is that I think the Lord is actually calling people not just to live out their faith, but to actually fight for their faith. And in that sense, it's not just fighting for you yourself, okay? But there are many who are struggling, many who are, who are really hurt and are being oppressed. Um, Martin Luther King Jr., I think. Somebody help me here. If you guys have a better memory or things, I tried to find the sermon that he said this in. I just could not. But I, I'm pretty, I seem to remember that this is what he said. He was, he was talking about the seven deadly sins and the terrible twins. Okay? He talked about seven deadly sins and the terrible twins. Now, seven deadly sins are pride, greed, wrath, envy, lust, gluttony, and sloth. Okay? But what are the terrible twins? Well, terrible twins that if we in our lives fight personally, as far as our lives are concerned, to fight against the sins in our lives so that we remain a holy people. That there's also a terrible twins uh, that that Martin Luther King uh, Jr. talks about, which are racial injustice and and, uh, economic injustice. That people, because of their different ethnicity, that they're downtrodden, put down, or even put to death. That are those, because of economic status, that there are those who want to have wealth and want to keep the wealth, need to actually oppress those that don't have wealth. This is the world we live in. This is a world where 
the Fort Bend Community Church. We are a community church. We're not just a Chinese church. We're a community church that we are going to be called not just to live out our faith, but we're going to actually be called to fight for our faith and the faith of others. Terrible twins, racial and economic injustice. Very lastly, we have a faith that's worth living. According to the the writer of Hebrews, we have a faith that is even worth fighting for. But, (laughs) pun intended, and this is the killer. This is the, that this, we actually have a faith that's worth dying for, okay? We actually have a faith that's worth dying for. Now, since we are all here, um, we're all listening, most of you are, uh, that there's a sense here that maybe we don't really understand this very well, okay? And this is hard to get. But uh, ultimately, uh, it, excuse me, that in this passage, the, um, the author to the Hebrews is, is actually sharing with the fact that if, if this faith is not just worth, worth living for, this faith is not just even worth fighting for, but this faith is actually worth dying for. And he gives examples of stuff. But the first thing he actually mentions is this. He talks about in verse 35, women receive back their dead by resurrection. Why has he mentioned this? Well, number one, this is probably referring to Elijah and the widow of Zarephath, her son. Uh, her son dies, okay, and actually Elijah lays on top of the son, holding on to the son, and finally the son actually rises from the dead. He's alive again. And why is this mentioned here? Well, I believe this, that a key aspect of our Christian faith is that not only did Christ die for our sins so that we can stand holy before our God, not only was Christ resurrected from the death to prove his divine nature, our Christ was resurrected as a promise to our own future resurrection from the dead. And if this is the case, we need, if we are going to be uh, people who, be, uh, to actually have a faith worth dying for, ultimately is to know that we can die, but there is something hereafter, that death is not the end, okay? Death is not the end. If you and I know that death is not the end, we don't fear death anymore. We don't uh, worry about stepping into the fight where we may lose our lives. And so, with that in mind, we go into the sense of the faith worth dying for is that we understand that we have a faith that shows that the world is not worth it. Okay? We're talking about, is it worth it? Well, ultimately, this world is not worth it. Okay, this world is not worth it. Notice here, uh, the, the writer goes through various different things that the world has done to the faithful. Torture, uh, imprisonment, mocking, flogging, stoned. Uh, this is a gory one, sawed in two, definitely rated R, scripture. They were killed with a sword. All these things were going on, and ultimately, uh, the... the in our understanding that this faith is worth dying for is to show that these people did not die in vain. Okay? These people did not die in vain. Now, uh, (laughs) let me back up a step. 
uh, when I when I was preparing for this sermon, or and I thought about this before, I find it very interesting because uh, Hebrews is meant to be like a pep talk. Okay, it's really meant to to rally the troops, saying, "Hey, it's worth it. It's worth it." But then this is uh, chapter eleven is one of the worst pep talks in the world if you think about it, right? Because it goes, <laughs> it tells about all these heroes of the faith, and then it, uh, then it ends by saying, "Oh, by the way." You could die, okay? You could actually die very horribly, publicly, in front of everybody, okay? Sawn in half, okay? And you kind of wonder, why, like, if he meant to encourage them, why did he finish with this, okay? Why did he finish with this? In fact, if it were up to me, I would have left this part out, okay? I would not have actually even mentioned it. But, as you see, the person of faith the writer of the Hebrews has this incredible faith because he understands that a faith worth dying for, there's already a resurrection. Why are we fearing these things, even death? Okay? Why are we fearing these things? It is encouragement to say to you, to, to list out the ways that people have died, the number of people who have died, uh, to, to actually tell us, hey, that these people didn't fear death. Why should you? If anything, this hall of faith commends those who are from the Old Testament. They, they didn't receive what was promised. Uh, so what it's saying here is that even though they didn't receive what was promised in the Old Testament, they still have faith. So what the writer is telling us is, for us who are on this side of the cross, we see in Jesus' own death and resurrection. We understand and the, the promise. We have the promise. We experience the promise. And, and what verse 40 is telling us is this, that the day of perfection has come in Christ. So for those, why do you feel that it's not worth it to follow Jesus? Why, do you, why are you leaving Jesus? Why are you going back to your old ways? Why would anybody want to go back to an iPhone 4 when there's an iPhone 12? Okay, why do, you, why do you want to downgrade your faith and leave Jesus? How much more worth it it is to have a faith in Jesus Christ? And this is the message from the writer to the Hebrews, to his, to his readers. Let's finish this off. Faith, we actually have a faith that's worth it. We have a faith that's worth it. Okay. Um, I don't have time to go through all these things, but we, uh, we've talked about, uh, in the past weeks, we've talked about the three W's, worship, walking, witness, Three O's, obey, object of faith, offering. Three R's, refusal, reproach, and reward. All these are times, all these are things that we can do to live out our faith. Remember that this is a, this is a what we call a check-up list. It is not a check-off list. You don't actually just say like, oh, been there, done that, worship. Been there, done that, walking with God. Been there, done that, I've witnessed once, or anything like that. No, this is not a check-off list. But this is a checkup list. But my worry for many of you, where your faith is now, it's not about 
uh, it's not about uh, checking up. It's not even about checking off. You have already checked out already. You've already decided that the faith is not worth living. And for some of you right now, I'm actually, for those of you who are in actually building three youth, this camp is a very important camp for you because you're going to have to decide whether your faith is worth it or not. You come to this church because your parents brought you here, okay? But you're going to have to start deciding that this, your faith is not your parents' faith, but your faith is your faith. And is it worth it? Worth living, worth fighting, worth even dying for? This is, as I mentioned, a faith that's worth it. It's even worth fighting for. I mentioned them already. I'm not going to go back over racial injustice, economic injustice. There are different things that you may have a passion that, uh, for. And the question that you need to answer for is what do you think God is calling you to fight for? There's many things that, that need to be done. Houston, uh, uh, human trafficking. Uh, there are other areas where we need to see people reached for Jesus Christ. Do you have you may not feel like you have it in you to do these things. But scripture shows us that we have a faith that's worth fighting for. And lastly, we have a faith that's worth dying for. Um, we have a faith that's worth dying for. Uh, and I realize that that's, that's actually uh, to, to say... Uh, to ask that question, uh, would you die for your faith? I mean, nobody wants to die. Okay, I, I know that that's just a terrible, terrible question. Okay, I, I, and it's an unfair question if, because even in those people who are listed who actually died for their faith, it isn't like they 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 volunteered for it. It wasn't like some guy says, "Hey, any Christians want to be sawed in half? Please come on up here." Okay, that's not what happened. Okay. Uh, they, they were killed and murdered against their will, obviously, okay? So to, w so to ask you the question, would you die for your faith? That's not really fair. What I think is actually a better question is the one that I actually have written on the slide right now. If you could have everything you ever wanted in life, but you had to give up Jesus, would it be worth it? If you could have everything in your life but you had to give up Jesus, would it be worth it? I'm going to finish here. I have a couple, just a couple of people that I want to share with you about. This past uh, couple of weeks, um, we saw two old friends actually pass away. One, uh, one was uh, Mr. Ng. I actually don't even know Mr. Ng's first name because I was a youth pastor at the church in, in L.A., and uh, his, his son Stephen and his, his daughter Tina uh, they were in our youth group. So any, any of the parents at that time, I would just call them by their last name. So I, I'm Mr. and Mrs. Ng. So I, I don't even know what his name is, but he just passed away uh, this past, a couple weeks ago. And um, the thing about him, what I remember is just amazing to me. Uh, he gave a testimony in church one time. And this was in the 90s. Uh, ancient history for, for some of you, for many of you, all of you. He stood up before everybody. Uh, this was right after the stock market crashed. And he stood up in front of the church, a church that values wealth and prosperity a little bit too much. 
and he stood in front of everybody and just said to them, I lost everything in this stock market crash. I lost everything. But praise God, I still have my faith in Jesus Christ. He was faithful even when I wasn't faithful. You know how many, how much guts that took to stand in front of people to say that? Everything about ourselves, the shame and the blame and the pain that we go through, we love to keep all that stuff hidden. But he went up there. It's the most courageous, brave act I ever seen anybody do was to stand in front of everything. I lost everything. And I wonder if I could ask this question to Mr. Ng. If you could have your life back and you could have your wealth back, would you give up your faith in Jesus Christ? He kicked me out of his house. He wouldn't even talk to me. Carolyn and I lost a very dear friend, Grace, Grace Soder. Uh, Grace and her husband, Matt, actually uh, led Carolyn and I in our premarital counseling. Okay, So we have a real, real warm spot for them. But Grace has passed away very, just recently. But it, uh, she, because of the pandemic and everything, people couldn't do, go to the funeral live. So... Uh, it was just all online, and one person tes tes testified that said this about grace. It was a really amazing statement. It said, um, grace, it's amazing about knowing grace, because you know a person that does not consider self-preservation, does not, not concerned about self-expression, doesn't care about self-actualization. She just loves you. Do you get that? She's not concerned about self-preservation, about just, just keeping herself safe, uh, protecting herself. She wasn't about self-expression, bragging about herself, telling people about what she's done. Uh, she wasn't about self-actualization, that she becomes a better person because she knows more or knows you or any of those things. All those things are put aside because all she cared about was loving you, the person that she was sitting there talking with at that very moment. If I were to go up to Grace and to say, Grace, you could have your life back. You weren't able to finish that PhD that you really wanted to, to, to that you've been studying for. You didn't get the chance to walk your daughter, I mean, you and your husband, to be able to see your daughter get married. If I can give you all that back, but all you had to do was to give up Jesus. wouldn't be yes. 
I give you two real life examples of people who have suffered, of people who have gone through hardships. But you ask them if it was worth it. Worth it to give their lives to Jesus Christ. Absolutely. No doubts. I pray for us, for us all, that we would also say yes without a doubt that this faith is not just worth living, that this faith is actually worth fighting for and fighting for other people for. And this faith is even that we would be prepared to die for it. No questions asked. So friends, family, is it worth it? Let's pray. Christus Heavenly Father, we come before you as people who have struggled in our faith this week, struggled this past year, and indeed at times we, if we haven't given it all up, we've given up bits and pieces of it, our devotional life, our, 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 our acts and habits of dis- discipline. Uh, we have given up quite a lot. But Lord God, you gave up more. You gave up it all. And so we come and give thanks to you for your son, Jesus Christ. And it is, is he that we worship today. And it is he that we dedicate our lives to. And he is the one that we declare in our hearts today. It is worth it. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.